Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Uh, what you're about to hear is directly from a service here at New Beginnings Church in Huntington, Texas. We hope that this message builds faith inside of you and that God's word grows deep inside of your heart and begins to produce wonderful results in your life. We ask for your help in two ways. We know that this is the year of harvest and this is the year of accelerated harvest. And so God has clearly spoken to us that there is a field that is ready, that is ripened, souls ready to come to salvation uh, and come into relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want your help in two ways. The first way is we ask that you help us spread this message, this message of faith to instill faith inside of people. And the way that you can do that is by sharing this broadcast on Facebook, through Messenger, with somebody that you feel like would benefit from it. I'm going to tell you that the Word of God never returns void, that faith comes by hearing the Word. So if you can partner with us by sharing the Word that God has given us here at New Beginnings Church, that would help us tremendously and help us fulfill the mission that God has given us for 2020. The second way is I'd like for you to pray about partnering with us financially. If you would like to do that, a very easy way is you can go to our website at www.nbchuntington.org. NBC, like New Beginnings Church, Huntington.org. If you do that, you can click Donate or Give Now, uh, and it'll take you to a screen that says Sow a Seed. And I know that the Lord will bless you tremendously according to 2 Corinthians 9. God will bless you, provide seed for the sower, and then greatly enrich your resources so that you can always be generous. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for the message coming up next. The message that we're going to be covering today is the covenant promise of healing. Can you say healing? The covenant promise of healing. So I'm going to tell you, this morning's going to look a little different. We're streaming right now. Uh, we have people watching that we're going to be kind of trying to communicate with as well that aren't present. Um, and we're going to be taking communion this service. And so this morning's going to look a little untraditional, not normal, but that's okay. This is what God has told us to do, so we're going to do it, and we believe that He's going to move in a powerful way. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the covenant blessing of healing, the covenant promise of healing that you have in Christ. I want you to know this. The same day that Jesus paid a price for your sin is the exact same day that he paid a price for your healing. I want you to get this on the inside of you. The reason that I want to preach about this is, again, we're not going to sit here and pretend like what's going on in the world isn't going on. I want to instill something inside of you so you can kill Questions like, is it God's will for me to be healed? Well, maybe God heals sometimes, maybe He doesn't. Well, it, the, all the different questions that we have, if you understood the covenant promise, the covenant that we have and the price that Jesus paid with His body for your healing, it would crush every single thought of that on the inside of you. I want to help you with this this morning. Uh, I want believers to start living in a way where sickness becomes foreign to you. Amen? Y'all, a lot of people get sick, and we'll get a head cold, and we'll just go with it for two weeks, and we don't even think about healing. Much less a lot of people don't even believe in it. We just kind of live like sickness is supposed to be some normal thing in life. Everyone gets sick. You know, everyone's subject to it. You get sick, you just go to the doctor, you get doctored up, you're good, they send you home, you're good to go. I want something to be on the inside of you where you just feel that when something comes against you, you think, this is not right. When a head cold comes against you, you don't just accept it and think, well, everyone gets sick every once in a while. Something on the inside of you flips and says, this is not right because I understand the price that Jesus paid for me. Amen? I need y'all this morning, if you have faith in the room, can you say amen? amen. God is going to speak to you this morning. I fully believe this, that God, I want to help you understand this covenant promise, that God is going to release something this morning that's going to help you. And again, we're going to do this through taking communion. And so I'm going to break down several things to you that I really believe will help you. Uh, 
If you're tuning in, thank you one more time. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 11, 20 through 30. 1 Corinthians 11, 20 through 30. I'm going to tell you, (laughs) your healing is important to God. And we're going to take it a step further. This may last a couple of weeks. I'm not sure. But I'm going to tell you, not only do you have a covenant where God promises to heal you if you get sick, but you have a covenant where God promises to keep sickness and disease away from you. Amen. That may be something totally different than what you ever heard. But I'm telling you, Christians right now should be rising up and not buying into the fear that the rest of the world has. We stand on the covenant promises of God saying, look, I don't have to fear Psalms 91, the disease that stalks in the night. I don't have to fear the arrows that fly by the day. I know that God said that no plague will come near my home. The Lord told his people, Israel, I am the God who heals you. He says in Deuteronomy 28, this is just a side note, but he told his people, and we're going to get to this next week, but I just feel the spirit on it. Do you understand that in the scriptures, Egypt was a, a type of the world? What I mean by that is in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, we all know Moses and God led his people out of Egypt and the plagues happened. He split the Red Sea. In the Bible, Egypt represents the world. Okay. Amen. The Israelites represent children of God. Anybody a child of God in the house this morning? So this is what God told his people in Deuteronomy 28. If you walk in covenant with me, he established his covenants. He gave his people the laws and the commands. And he told them, if you enter into this covenant and walk according to this covenant that I have made with you, He says, I will not allow any of the diseases that came upon the Egyptians to come upon you. That means that when you walk with God, look, we're not under the law. Our covenant is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But you have to understand in the Bible, there's a separation from the world, from the people of God. God has a promise. The same, maybe everybody else in the world is getting affected by this. Maybe everybody else is running in terror and buying a garage full of toilet paper to stock up on because they're, they're living in fear. But if you walk in covenant with me, I will not allow those things that are coming on everybody else in the world to come on to you or into your household. 1 Corinthians 11, 20 through 30. Y'all, I'm guilty of this. I have taken communion my whole life and probably never really understood what I was doing. Communion is an amazing... Man, I'm telling you, once God gave me this revelation, me and my wife and my child, we've been taking communion every single day, every morning. I'm excited to take it in a little bit because you're going to see. It's it's so amazing. I never understood this. I'm going to help you. 1 Corinthians 11. 20 through 30. This is Paul. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. Can you say bread? And he gave thanks and he broke it. He said, Take this. Take and eat this. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant of my blood. Can you say blood? Can you say cup? All right, so say bread, body. Now say blood, cup. This is extremely for you, important for you to understand. There's two parts to this. Two parts. One word as I was reading this last night that jumped out to me, verse 25. So Jesus takes the bread and he says, this is a part of the covenant. There's two promises in this covenant. Two main promises, two main works of Christ. I'm going to help you see this morning. He takes the bread, that represents one one side. Then he takes the cup, that represents another. And he says the same way, in the same, I'm going to go ahead and hint to you. We're going to show this. The body, the bread represents the body, and that was the price that was paid for your healing. The blood represents, the cup represents the blood, and that was shed for your forgiveness of sin. 
A lot of the church understands that we're free. We have forgiveness of sin. We understand salvation. But when it comes to the body, when it comes to healing, we're like, oh, I don't know. Healing's not for everybody, I guess. Healing's God will heal some people, but he won't heal other people. That's like 10 of you in this room saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. And me looking at you and say, oh, well, Jesus is going to save one, two, three of you. uh, And the other seven over here, God, God doesn't save everybody. He don't. That we understand that doesn't work. Can you say in the same way? Healing is an equal part of the promise, just the same as salvation and forgiveness of sin. You should not see healing any less than the weight and the gravity that healing and forgiveness of sin carries. In the, sa- the same way you took the bread, I want you to now take the cup. We're going to keep going. He said... This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes next week. Guys, if you show up, it's going to be awesome. We're going to dive into what that means when he said you proclaim the Lord's death. It's powerful until he comes. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood and the blood, the body and the blood of the Lord. Can y'all say the body, the blood? I want you to see those two parts. 28, but let a man examine examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many asleep. He said, when you take communion, many of you have taken communion wrong. And whenever you do, it actually doesn't help you at all. You don't get any of the benefits. And he said, what was doing it in the wrong manner? Not discerning the Lord's body. Can you say discern? This is the definition of discern. Okay. To separate, to make a distinction, to recognize. What he was telling the Corinthian church is this. You all get the blood. You all get the price that was paid with the blood. You all get the salvation. You all get the forgiveness. But many of you have failed to separate and discern the Lord's body. You have refused. When we're entering into this covenant, you have not made a distinction that there is a separate part of the covenant that is equal that he paid for with his body. Look at this. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Or many are dead. So what Paul is telling them is you've entered into this covenant and because you have failed to separate the difference between the blood and the body and partake of both pieces, many of you are sick, many of you are weak, and many of you have died. What's the opposite of up? What's the opposite of left? What's the opposite of when? Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Uh, just kidding. So look, this is what's crazy. When Paul says, for this reason, many are weak, many are sick, and many have died. What he was saying is, we can just use logic and understand the opposite is true. He's saying, if you would discern the Lord's, if you would make that distinction and that separation, and by your faith, partake of the bread, partake of the body, partake of this piece of the covenant, you wouldn't be sick, you would be well, you wouldn't be weak, you would be strong, you wouldn't have died, they would have lived. Why did so many Christians get sick? Why can we go into a hospital and we see a, a man no condemnation, that's been a heathen, hates God, wants nothing to do with them, laying in a bed with stage four cancer. And then on the other side, you have a person that loves God, loves the Lord, passionate about God, serves God, battling with the same sickness. We start creating theologies and ideas. Well, I guess it's God's will. I guess God's trying to put something on people to. Paul didn't say that. Paul said, for this reason, because so many believers have failed to separate and understand the price that Jesus paid with his body. You have to understand. You know, I've said this too. You're healed by the blood of Jesus. You're not. You're healed by the body of Jesus. I'm going to show you why it's important. You are healed by the body of Jesus. Uh, 
Let's keep reading here. So point number one, if you're taking notes, you have to partake of the blood and the body to get both benefits. You have to partake of the blood and the body to get both benefits. You may not understand what I'm talking about. I'll explain that a little bit more to you. Partake of the blood and the body. So many Christians just live in one reality. Again, you may be saved, but you're like, well, I'm saved, but you know, I still, I still battle with sickness and disease. I still battle with these things constantly in my life. I'm sick. My wife's sick. My kids are sick. My grandma died of sickness. It, it, but you, that's the thing. You have to make the separation. You can't just get saved and wonder, why aren't things happening? You need to make the separation and, and partake of both pieces of the covenant. Y'all still with me? Okay, so I'm going to kind of explain where does communion, because we're going to build this all up and take communion together. Where does communion come from? So you have to understand the Jewish people, they celebrated the Passover every single year. That was something that, that uh, I want to think about the context of Jesus with his disciples the night before he was crucified. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the Last Supper, where Jesus took the bread and where we get all of this from, and he he said, this is my body. He took the cup. He had this meal with them. They had celebrated, the disciples had celebrated Passover their entire life. Their fathers celebrated it, their grandfathers. The people that they belonged to had been doing this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So what I want to show you in Scripture was they knew the stories. And we're going to get into this, but if you're familiar with what happened in Egypt, well, when the Israelites went and they put blood over their doorposts and, and they did what God told them to do, they were familiar with the stories. And what Jesus was saying was, look, those stories that you've been, the things you've been celebrating your entire life, now I am fulfilling them. They were just a shadow of the covenant now that you have that I am fulfilling with my body and with my blood. As we read these in the Testament, in the Old Testament, and we see what God did with those pieces, with the blood and with the body and the promises, the benefits that the Israelites got. And then Jesus showing his disciples saying, look, now you have these, but now it's not because of a lamb. It's not because the blood of a lamb. It's not because you ate the flesh of a lamb. It's because you, by your faith, has stepped into and received the price that I paid for with my blood and with my body. You receive these benefits now. Amen. I want to show you. So, this is God. He's bringing the plagues. We're going to be looking at uh, Exodus 12. God just brought all these plagues to Egypt, as we're familiar with. And this is the night before the Israelites leave Egypt and God splits the Red Sea. We see the Exodus take place. And so this is God's instruction. He tells the Israelites, he says, look, at midnight during the night, I'm going to send an angel of death and it's going to pass through the land of Egypt. And every single house that has the blood, so this is what he told them to do. He said, I want you to take a lamb that was spotless and without blemish. Who, who is that talking about? Jesus. The Bible says that in the New Testament that Jesus was the lamb of God who was spotless and without blemish, who was sinless, who was perfect, who was holy. So, so God is laying this, making this model, the shadow of what Jesus was going to do. And he said, I want you to take the blood. I want you to get a lamb spotless, without blemish, and I want you to kill it. And I want you to take the blood and I want you to smear it over your doorposts. Okay. And so they take the lamb, they kill it. We pick up right here in Exodus 12, 7 through 8. And this is what he said. He said, and they shall take some of the blood of the lamb and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh. Can y'all say blood? Now, can you say flesh? Can you see these two parts where Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood? They took the blood and put it on the doorposts. Verse 8, then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. We're all very familiar with what happened that night. But we leave one part out, one critical, critical part out. We miss this whole side of the covenant. We know that that night they went and they rubbed the blood on their doorposts. And as the angel came, 
They were saved from death. The blood saved them. Do you see that? The blood saved them from the angel of death. That's the same thing is that now we will not die. We have eternal life because of the blood of Jesus. The blood saves us, right? There's two things. God didn't just tell them, cover your doorpost with the blood. He said, when you go inside now, I want you to eat the flesh of the lamb. We completely leave that part out and don't take another thought, another second. What happened when they ate the flesh of the lamb? going to show you something here. What happened when they ate the flesh of the lamb? Psalms 105 gives us insight, 36 through 37. As you read through Psalms 105, it breaks down the whole account of Israel uh, in, uh, in Egypt, the plagues, God calling Moses, God going to Pharaoh, all of these things taking place. This is where we pick up. It describes the same event. It says, he also destroyed all their firstborn in the land and the first of all their strength in verse 36. And so what it's saying is it's talking about the night of the Passover when the angel came and it destroyed all the firstborn of the houses that weren't covered in the blood. Look at the next thing that it says, verse 37. He also brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble. Can y'all say feeble among his tribes? You know how many Israelites were in Egypt historically? 2.5 to 3 million people. The Bible says that there was not one feeble among them. Not one. Out of 2.5 million to 3 million people, there was not one feeble among them. This is going to make so much sense for you. The definition of feeble means this. The definition of feeble means lacking physical strength especially due to age or illness. Lacking physical strength, especially due to age. So they took, let me, I want you to hear this. They took the blood of the lamb, they covered their doorpost, and God saved them from death. But when they went inside their houses that night, they ate the, the body of the lamb. And as they ate, it says God removed feebleness from every single one of them. Can you imagine 2.5 million? Does God heal some people or does he heal all? He removed every single sickness and disease from every single person that belonged to any tribe in Israel. They went and sat down. I can just imagine, guys. They had been slaves their whole lives for 400 years. It doesn't say that God just brought out the 18-year-olds. There was babies. There was young men. There was middle-aged men. There was old men. I can imagine a man that's been 80 years old. He's been a slave in Egypt his whole life. Probably got back problems. Probably got to be pulled around on a mat or something, you know, disabled. And they put the blood and they go inside. And I can just imagine them taking the flesh, taking the body of the lamb. And as they begin to eat, strength enters into the body. And you start seeing people rising up. You start seeing the sick raised feebleness removed from all of them put this back into context with what paul said many of you have failed to discern the body of the lamb and because of that many of you are sick many of you are weak and many of you have died the body of jesus was paid he paid a price for your healing Jesus said all that, that, that all that took place at the Passover was a shadow of what he fulfilled. Jesus didn't just die for your sins. You don't have to battle with sickness and disease anymore. But as long as you question that, you'll never experience this. As long as something comes against you, there needs to be a fire inside of you where you know your covenant. Who cares? Satan's going to try. You're never going to live at any level where Satan will not try. Where symptoms won't try to come against you. Where things won't try to come against you. Where you wake up and you're like, man, I'm not feeling it today. But something's got to be on the side of you that says, this is not normal. I am a part of the covenant and Jesus paid a price for my physical healing. I don't have to battle with sickness and disease. Stand in faith. I want you to see this. This is amazing. If you're taking notes, point number two. Point number two. 
So point number one was you have to partake of the blood and the body to get both benefits. Point number two, the twofold work of Christ is forgiveness of sin and healing. Twofold work of Christ. I want to show you, as the statement that I made, Jesus said, here's the body, here's the blood. Here's the bread, here's the cup. There's two pieces. We leave one out. We don't understand one. We believe that God forgives our sins, but He doesn't heal everybody. We believe that, you know, the, the pro- I've heard people say this too, and this is so wrong. Well, sometimes, how many of y'all know the healing comes right, when you pass, when you die? This, the, the, the real goal is heaven. That's where you get the reward. That's not true. That's, that God paid a price for you to have healing on this earth. Not just salvation. Not just a promise. One, that is one piece of the covenant. That yes, you do have a promise that this will all pass away and you will enter into glory. You'll have a glorified body. You will be in eternal paradise with God living in your heavenly reward. But there's a second part that you have to understand. The twofold work of Christ was forgiveness of sin and healing sickness and disease. Let's look at this. They're equal. What I mean by they're equal is God doesn't take your salvation more seriously than He takes your healing. God doesn't think that it's more serious that you get saved than you get healed. What I'm saying is it's not one or the other. That doesn't mean, well, God wants you to be healed and He doesn't care about you being saved. No, we all know that God is very serious about people getting saved. Amen? That our mission on this earth right now should be, this is what I mean by the twofold work. Christ didn't just come to save sinners. Christ came to heal the sick, remove sickness and disease, and forgive sins. Both pieces. And so, you know, we know that Christ is serious. The Bible actually says that Jesus is postponing His second coming because He's giving people a chance, giving people time to repent of their sins. That's what the Bible says. So that's how serious God is about salvation. He's not any less serious about your physical healing. Those lies that you start feeling like, God doesn't care about my back. God doesn't care about... We, we just think... Maybe I'll be healed. Maybe not. Something's got to rise up inside of you that Jesus thought it was so worthy. Jesus thought it was so serious that He actually bore. He took your sickness and disease upon His body. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Let's go to point two, though. The twofold work of Christ is forgiveness of sin and healing. Isaiah 53, 5. I'm going to read you several scriptures. It says, He was pierced for our rebellion. Another translation says he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Another uh, translation says by his stripes we are healed. Jesus was pierced for your transgressions. What does that mean? He went and he died on the cross for your sins. But just as equally as He died on the cross for your sins, He allowed a man to tie Him to a pole and take lashes on His back and bore your physical sickness, your physical infirmities. He took physical toll on His body so that you could have physical toll taken away from your body. I want you to see this. It's the twofold work of Christ. Pierced for our rebellion. By His stripes you are healed. Let's look at this. uh, Where are we at? Matthew 8, 6 through 17. 6 through 17. It says this. When the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all. Can y'all say all? All who were sick. You know, I've had people come and say, well, it's not God's will for everyone to be healed. God puts sickness on people sometimes to, to check, you know, to discipline them, to help them. I said, man, I have such a hard time with that. Because how was it then that everywhere Jesus went, it says he healed. That word all is in the scripture again and again and again. He healed all that were sick. He healed all that were oppressed by the devil. He took all their sickness and disease. It actually says this. You continue reading. Verse 17, that it may be fulfilled 
which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He himself took. He took it from you. That means what you need to start believing is that Jesus, that thing you're battling with, cancer, imagine your cancer being put on the body of Jesus and him paying the price for it. That means I don't have to pay the price for it. He took it away from me and placed it on himself and paid the ransom that was owed for it. You see this? Look at this. Psalms 103, 2-3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and not forget His benefits. Can y'all say benefits? This Scripture tells us the twofold work of Christ. Let's not forget His benefits. He forgives all your iniquities and He heals all your diseases. God does not separate the two. Let's keep reading. Matthew 9, 1-7. through Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. You know, uh, uh, this is just coming to me too. This is a side note. I've had a lot of people say, well, that was the people of Israel. We're not the, that was for a specific people in a specific time. I'm like, well, okay, well, Jesus lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after that took place in Egypt. And he still modeled this. Jesus climbed into a boat, went back across the lake to his own town. Verse 2, some people brought him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. What? But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your head? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for giving humans such authority. They brought a crippled man to Jesus. Crippled. To be healed. And Jesus looks at the crippled man and says, Be encouraged, son. Your sins are forgiven. They're like, wait, what? Jesus, what do you, he, I mean, that's good, but he didn't come here for your for forgiveness of sin. He came here to be healed. Let me ask you, they're like, Jesus, I don't know if you heard us. No, he wants to be healed. He didn't ask you to forgive his sins. He wants you to be healed. Was Jesus confused? No, he wasn't. This lines up directly with Scripture. There's two parts of the covenant, the body and the blood. There's a twofold work of Christ. He said it is the same for me, the same level for me to say your sins are forgiven, then you are healed. Stand up and walk. Jesus paid a price for your healing. The, the second you get this in your spirit, the way that so many of you know Jesus died for your salvation, that Jesus paid a price for your physical healing on the earth, you will never accept it again in your life. It don't matter what comes against you. It don't matter who comes against you. When you that's why I want you to take notes. When you get this in the Word, there's no refuting it. It don't matter who you are. You're saying you cannot convince me that Jesus did not pay a price for both things equally. He did. He did. Here's a little side note. Jesus said that healing was the bread. So we're talking about the bread and the cup. Obviously, we, as we've, the blood, we have shown and said many times the blood was for the transgression. He was pierced for our transgressions. The blood was for the remission of sin is what the Bible says. In order for there to be remission of sin, there has to be shedding of blood. So Jesus paid the price for our sins with his blood. But he himself... I read this story and I saw it and I was like, man, this is a little nugget Jesus dropped in there. I don't think anybody caught. But Jesus referred to the bread as healing. Even in another context, this is Matthew 15, 21 through 28. It says, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. 
And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. I want you to see this. Verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread. Can you say bread? bread. To take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What was he talking about when he said bread? Let's keep reading. And she said, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs get to eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed. Can you say healed? From that very hour. The woman came to Jesus asking for healing. And you have to understand the time Jesus was on this earth. The, the message hadn't went out to the Gentiles. In regards to healing, he himself said, it is not right right now for me to take the bread that belongs to the children and give it to the dogs. Bread is the covenant promise of healing for you. The body of Christ is your covenant promise of healing today. Amen? This is what I'm going to ask my ushers to do. If they'll come forward... We're going to prepare communion. I'm going to have Hannah come up to the keyboard with me to play. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down for point number three. Enter into a covenant of healing today. Enter into a covenant of healing today. What we're going to do, Reagan, I want to ask you to just turn the lights down for me a little bit. What we're going to do is we're going to distribute the bread and the blood. We're going to distribute the bread and the cup. I don't want you to eat it yet. I don't want you to take it yet. We're going to do what Paul said uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, and we're going to discern the Lord's body together. Paul said that if many would discern the Lord's body, many of you would be, you wouldn't be weak, you wouldn't be sick, and that you wouldn't have died. We're going to discern the Lord's body together. We're going to, I'm going to show you how to take this, and I'm going to show you how you can start taking this in your own homes. Thank you. Yeah, let's bring the children in. This is going to be very important. If you guys will, will you go ahead and give each member a, a, a bread and a cup? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you're watching online, I just encourage you. <laughs> Me and my wife, we went to the stores. Y'all know how that's been crazy. They've been closing early. The first night that God put this on my heart, and I knew I got to do it tonight. I got to do it tonight. I went home and I ripped off a piece of hamburger bun and some vitamin water, <laughs> some little great vitamin water, and I used it to take communion. I use it to take, you know what's amazing too, I'm telling you, God told me, so many are sick, so many are struggling, so many are not experiencing the benefit of healing, the benefit of covenant and divine health. Because they have failed to partake of the Lord's body with their faith. They have failed to engage in the Lord's Supper and literally say, I am taking the body of Christ. I am believing that God is removing feebleness, removing weakness, removing sickness, removing every infirmity from uh, apart from me. And I'm going to receive strength, health, and life. My daughter, I'm telling you, I read these, I've been reading these books and it's been sharing testimonies about how God has opened up this revelation about discerning the Lord's body and people going into ICU rooms. Somebody left on a ventilator to die and they start taking communion. Look, there's nothing magical about the type of juice, the type of bread. It's partaking of the covenant that Jesus paid for with His blood and with His body. They began to make those distinctions. They began to partake in those things. And then there's testimonies coming forth where the doctor said, hey, we're going to turn off the machine. They're going to die. They walk into the room in the morning and people are wide awake, alive and well, sitting in their hospital's beds because they are partaking in 
the Lord's covenant through the body. I went home that night. I'm going to tell you a testimony. There's two testimonies. Actually, I'll let my wife share the other with you next week. I went home that night and my daughter, she, she's a year and a half year old, years old. And she, she had a fever. You know, with all this coronavirus going on, they try to scare people. I said, Lord, I don't, you know, I'm not buying into that. So we got down as a family. And we, I went over everything that I'm going over with you, with my wife and with my child. And we lifted up the bread as we're about to do. And we pray God's covenant promises that we receive through the body of Christ. Then we lifted up the cup and we prayed God's covenant promises that we see, receive through the blood of Christ. And we put a little bit, a little crumb in Emberly's mouth and I poured some vitamin water in her bottle and, you know, she drank it. And I'm telling you, the next morning she woke up, the fever was gone completely. Small testimony. I'm telling you, God's word works. When God tells us to do something, it is so simple, it's so easy. And we just think, there's no way that would ever work. That seems dumb. That seems ridiculous. God, God honors His Word. What seems ridiculous to the human mind, the Lord says, if you do this, this is my promise. I want everybody to first take the bread. Take the bread. Paul said... That night, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body. Before you eat it, Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want to pray. Father, every person at the sound of my voice, we are discerning your body. We understand that you paid a price for our physical healing. The Israelites, when they partook of the flesh of the lamb inside of their homes that night, that supernatural things happened, that a whole people of 2.5 to 3 million people were miraculously and instantly healed and strengthened that night that they partook of the, the flesh of the lamb. We thank you for your covenant promises that you revealed yourself to your people and said, I am the Lord who heals you. You don't have to go to doctors to rely on your healing. We don't have to go and rely on any other form. We have a covenant that you paid for with your body that secures our health in this life. Lord, I declare two things over this as we eat. The first thing, if there is any sickness and disease in this room, if anybody is battling with a sickness, if anybody is battling with a weakness, if anybody is battling with an attack coming against your body, when we partake of your flesh, we claim by your stripes, we are healed. Healed in Jesus' name. We step in. And the second thing that we want to pray, Lord, you're such a good God. You didn't just promise your people, I will heal you when you get sick. You said, I am the God. I will not allow the diseases that came on the Egyptians to come on you. You said in Psalms 91, David had the revelation of this covenant. And he said, I don't have to dread the disease that stalks by the night. No plague will come to my home. Not only will you heal us, you will keep this church and every member that partakes of your body secure and free and away from the disease that is striking our planet right now. Not one member that partakes of your body will experience the disease and the sickness and the virus that everybody else may be experiencing. In the name of Jesus, we claim your healing right now. Partake of the breath. Hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise. Try not to spill your do so. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to hold the cup.
Father, I thank you right now that you paid a price with your blood for our sins. I declare every person, Lord, we are separating. There's a difference from the blood than there was from the body. Now we partake of the covenant promises of your blood. We are free from sin. Our sins are not just forgiven. It says that you have removed them from us as far as the east is from the west. You didn't just throw them no longer. Those things that, we, that people used to do, those sins that people used to be engaged in, God, you are releasing it right now. You no longer even have memory of them. From this moment forward, everybody partaking of your blood is a new creation in Christ Jesus. Bought and paid for with the blood. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you that we have a hope even past this life that we get to experience. And I thank you, Lord, that we are no longer forgiven of our sins. We're not only forgiven of our sins, but the book of Romans says that we are actually dead to the power of sin. Every person that partakes of this cup, they're not just going to be forgiven of the things that they did, but they no longer have to live in the sin that they've been stuck in. Sin's power broken right now in Jesus' name by the blood of Jesus Christ. Partake of the cup. Hallelujah. Can you guys give the Lord some praise? Hallelujah. I want somebody to praise God like they just got healed in the room. You believe that you received it, you shall have it is what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just stay in this moment for a second. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Rashate di as Tanner prayed before, Father, everybody partaking of your blood, they are now a new creation that is pure and holy. Their bodies have now became the holy of holies, the temple of the living God. Fill them with your Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Spirit. Supernatural gift of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, I release in this room to every vessel that is pure and holy and clean by your blood, ready to receive. Jesus, you said the, that our Father is good. He gives good gifts to those who ask. How much more will the Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I want you with your own voice to just begin to declare, say, fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hallelujah. God has anointed Jesus with power from the Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus went around doing good. And healing all who are sick and oppressed by the devil. I ask for the power right now that believers would not only be vessels that walk in covenant to experience healing in their own life, but now they carry the spirit and the power of God where they can lay hands on others and impart that covenant, impart that healing, impart that power into them and see the sick Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, use. Sing it out. Here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence. Lord, thank you, Lord. 
I want every man in this house to take this responsibility upon himself. I know that me and my house, we will be partaking of these covenant promises with God every day. Especially while there's this disease and this virus that stalks the earth. Every single day, we're going to declare the covenant promises of God. Freedom from virus, freedom from sickness, freedom from disease. You know, the Bible says that you are now a high priest. That God has filled you with His Spirit. He has put that mantle on you. Every man in this house, you are the priest of your home. You have the ability to do what I just did up here in your home. You have the ability to bind and to loose things in your home. You have the ability to step in your doors and say, Sickness, you must flee because I am the priest of this house and I command you to leave our dwelling place in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You feel free to stand. We're going to do one last thing. I'm going to ask our ushers to come back forward again. I want to share something with you. Y'all, there is two things happening right now in our country. We just, we just knocked Goliath off his feet with the stone, with the sickness and the disease. But at this morning, I don't just want to knock Goliath off his feet. I want to be like David and I want to chop his head off. I want to kill two birds with one stone. There's two things happening. There is sickness and disease plaguing the earth, plaguing our country, but we also see an economical crash. Amen? That's taking place. I want to read to you Genesis 26. I want to look at Isaac for a moment. And you can feel free to stand. You can feel free to sit. But I just want to knock, I mean, we knock the devil out and I just want to crush and kill this. I want to secure two things for you this morning. Genesis 26, verse 1. It says, a severe, can you say severe, famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. There was a famine that came that year while Isaac was alive. Y'all, it wasn't just a recession. It was a depression. It wasn't just, you know, a couple people getting laid off. It says a severe famine struck the land. What does a famine mean? You know, they were farmers. They relied on animals. They relied on crops. It stopped raining. Crops couldn't grow. There was no rain where they lived. It wasn't like, well, it's just kind of hard. It's like literally people, it was impossible for them to have food and income. Impossible. Sounds similar to what we're going through right now. People are being forced to stay home in other parts. I know it's not as bad here, but in other parts of the country, up north, they're being forced to stay home, not able to leave, not able to go to work. And fathers and mothers and families are saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Isaac, in that chapter, he goes on to have this this, uh, encounter with Abimelech. But I want to show you. I want to skip down to verse 12. When Isaac planted his crops that year, it says he harvested a hundred times more grain than what he planted. And the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle. The servants that the Philistines, uh, the servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. Verse 16, finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. He said, go somewhere else. You've become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to Gerar Valley where he set up his tents and settled down. And he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in the land and filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names of Abraham had given them. What did Isaac do in the time of a famine? It says, in the time of the famine, I can just imagine everybody else looking at Isaac. Isaac, while everybody else is running to Walmart and gathering toilet paper and stocking it up in their 
you know, garages and stocking up cases of water and they're freaking out and everybody's saying there's a famine. What are we going to do? Isaac is out there using his food source, using seed. And they walk where they walk out and they see Isaac standing out in the field, planting seed in the ground. Why would you, Isaac, how can you plant seed in the ground? That's not raining, that nothing's going to happen. While everybody else was scared and running and, and, and over here not knowing what was going to happen, Isaac was in the field planting seed. Why would Isaac do that? Because he knew the covenant his father had with God. He knew the covenant that God made with Abraham. And he knew the covenant said that I will bless your children. The, 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 the blessing of Abraham was on Isaac. Let me tell you, Galatians 3 says we have the same blessing that Abraham had. We have the same blessing that Isaac had. We had the same blessing that Jacob had. And Isaac understood the blessing in the covenant. And while, while there was a famine, he went out in the field and started planting seed. What was the result? It says, Isaac, because of the blessing, I, the Lord blessed him. And it says he harvested a hundred times more grain than what he planted. He took seed in faith and said, I'm going to sow this seed. I'm going to plant this seed. And while everybody else was struggling, God used that year to increase and multiply Isaac's wealth to become the, one of the richest and wealthiest and most powerful men in the land that he dwelled in. I want to follow the example of Isaac. I'm telling you, I know it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to say, guys, we're, we're in this time of recession. We're in this time where it doesn't make sense to sow seed, to give. I want you to sow in faith, and I believe for the same result. As our ushers take up the offering, I want you to just hold it in your hand, and I'm going to pray over it right now. I'm going to bless it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I declare right now every single seed that is being planted, that it will go forth just like it did for Isaac and produce a hundred times as much as what was sown. For every dime, for every dollar that is being planted this morning, there will be a harvest that is 100 times more. That we will be your people when the rest of the world is struggling. The church will thrive and soar in the name of Jesus Christ. When people that don't have covenant with God are in a time of famine, we will see the children that walk in covenant with their God going soaring high on wings like eagles. That we're not being slowed down. That we're going to run and not grow weary. We're going to walk and not grow tired. I just claim right now for a financial increase, Lord multiplication the same jesus that took a couple loaves of bread and a few fish and when they put it in his hand it fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people that these people they're taking this seed and they're putting it in your hand and you're going to multiply it abundantly hallelujah the lord is saying the bible says that those who are faithful with what little they've given jesus said even more i will give to them lord show us let us prove to you even today that we are a people that live by your covenant we're not moved by the famine in the land we're not moved by the economy we're going to show you that we're faithful and that we don't we may be in this world but we're not of this world in the name of jesus Hallelujah. I bless every seed in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Ushers, if you'll take up the offering. Guys, can we give the Lord some praise? Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Lord. If you're online, I want to give you a chance as well to extend this to you. We have a way that you can give online. If you go to www dot nbc like new beginnings church nbc.org there's a way you can give online and i believe and declare in jesus name the same blessing that is present the same spirit that's present the same work that god's doing in this room will be extended to you as you give in jesus name <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah thank you lord well church let me pray over you 
Father, I thank You for the people that came this morning, Lord. Oh, they stepped out in faith. Even though the social media was telling them they're going to be fined $1,000 if they come in their house and we gather and all these other things. Father, I thank You that there are just men and women in this room that have proven this morning while everybody else stays home, they're hungry. Their hunger is greater than their fear is of this virus. Jesus said, those who are hungry, come. Those who are thirsty, come. They will be filled. Thank you. I bless every single person in this room that they would begin to increase. Doors would begin to open. They would begin to get promoted. That they would begin to walk on greater levels this morning. Lord, I declare through everybody that partook of your covenant, that sickness and disease is gone from their midst and gone from their household, and they are healed in the name of Jesus by His stripes. They are forgiven of their sins in the name of Jesus by His blood. We step in Your supernatural blessing. We trust in You. You are our refuge. You are our strong tower. You have all of our faith, all of our trust, all of our devotion. We bless You, Lord, and we love You. And we declare these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.